Hello, mamas, and welcome to episode four of Bumps Mum. I am your host, Emma, and I am super excited to be sharing this week's episode with you, which is with the lovely Lara, who is the founder of MyScar and a mum of three. MyScar is a new business that Lara has started following her caesarean birth with her first baby, Arthur. Um, She looked around for solutions to help with her scar and didn't really find anything on the New Zealand market. So she spent years researching and testing products and she has come up with MyScar, which launched last year in December. MyScar is the golden solution to your scar recovery. So they are silicon strips, the gold standard non-invasive option for treating and improving scars. Lara shares with us how these work, her own journey with her caesarean and recovering from that, um, both physically and mentally, and then going on to have two more beautiful babies. I am in no way a medical professional. This is just an honest conversation between mums, so I am not advocating for any particular approach, but if it does provide you with some answers or laughter or anything like that, then that is awesome. This is such a special episode and I'm just so grateful we have people like Lara out there providing a solution for cesarean mothers. So let's jump into this week's episode. Hey Lara, how are you? Hi Emma, good, thank you. Hey, why don't we launch into it? I would love you to introduce yourself to the listeners um, and tell us a bit about yourself and your family. Thank you, Emma. Um, Hi everybody, I am Lara Hofer. I'm very excited to be on this podcast today. I think it's a fantastic idea and I just know it's going to help many women going through their fourth trimester and beyond. I am a mother of three. I have Arthur, Piper and Leo. Arthur is four, Piper is two and Leo is just eight months old. I have a husband called Leo and we are right in the thick of it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am also uh, the founder and director of a New Zealand company called MyScar, which um, we'll get on to a little bit later on. Uh, I grew up in Hamilton, uh, one of six kids, so I know what chaos looks like. I've been around it my entire life. (laughs) Oh my goodness, I'm one of six as well. Yeah, are you? Yeah, I've got three step siblings and um, a brother and a sister. Yeah, I know. Well, so I have <laughs> and my parents were fortunate enough to finally bring us a little brother. He's our youngest and there's about 16 year age gap between my, me and my brother. So oh, um, all ages. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we, yeah, we had a, a crazy upbringing. Uh, I was very fortunate to have a very uh, happy upbringing. Um, and my parents still live in Hamilton. Uh, my father is a business owner. My mother is a registered nurse, which um, in the industry that I'm in today, they've both been very uh, influential in that. Um, my mother is my absolute go-to when it comes to uh, child care and child-related questions and health-related questions. So mm-hmm. that to have something like that on tap. Yeah, um, so good. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of my background. I sort of after after school, I went off to university and I studied law and accounting before meeting my lovely husband and getting married and having my children um, and launching MyScar. So um, that's where we are today. And we just recently celebrated our sixth wedding anniversary. Um, Congrats. Yeah, yeah. So um, all's going very well at our end. <laughs> 
That's so cool. And I think your name, your your kids' names are just so cute. I remember when we first spoke and you told me them, I was just like, oh, note to self, remember these names. Very cute names. <laughs> names are so hard. And I found boys' names in particular probably the most difficult. Yes. Um, and, yeah, Arthur was kind of a little bit left field for me. Uh, my husband loved it. It took me a while to love it. And I absolutely love it now. Um, mm-hmm. And then... Piper, she was, that was very easy. I think we had about a list of, you know, 20 names. Oh, my um, goodness. Because <laughs> we just loved every girl name. Um, but Piper was definitely um, the winner of that one. And baby Leo, um, my husband, again, always loved that name. Uh, took me a little bit of convincing again. I guess with boy names, I was always, there was nothing that really ever jumped out at me. Mm-hmm. And I came from a family of majority of girls I was surrounded by girls' names my entire life. So the boys were never really front and centre. Um, yeah. But, yeah, thank you. And um, yeah. I, I have to mention that Louis was also one of our uh, runners on yeah. our boys. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. funny, isn't it? Like I've had a running note in my phone of just names I hear that I like long before we were even thinking of having kids. And I always just continue to add to it when I hear a new name but same as you had so many girls names not many boys names but Louie was always my number one boy name um did you know what you're having before you had Louie um so we found out quite early on with Louie that we were having a boy so we found out about the 10 weeks 10 weeks we did the nip test so um yeah I can't do a surprise so we found out as soon as we could yeah fair enough well we did the opposite we held off Three. Um, oh my goodness! We went through all the different wives' tales every every single pregnancy, and I'm pretty sure we were wrong every single time. So, <laughs> oh, it's funny. I some people say they really have a strong feeling, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's a fifty fifty chance, and yeah. you know, <laughs> I don't feel like I carried any differently. And you know, there was no big signs that it was a boy or a girl. So for me, it was yeah. a, a surprise every time. Oh, interesting. And so where are you at in your motherhood journey today? So you've got three kids now. Are there any particular challenges you're facing or something you're really enjoying? Yeah, so like you say, I'm right in the thick of it with a baby (laughs) and a preschooler, three under five. Um, I think at the moment um, we are currently juggling that work-life balance. Um, I have recently obviously launched my scar and so I'm back at work essentially. My husband's mm. got a full-time job and we have three beautiful kids. Um, so getting that work-life balance right is mm-hmm. a challenge. I feel like there's a lot of guilt when you go back to work, you know, leaving your children with, you know, in childcare or with, you know, in-laws or nannies mm. or whatever you I feel like there's a sense of, well, for me anyway, there's a sense of guilt um, yeah. that kind of really goes away. Um, and also the, I, am I doing either of them right? Is, you know, is are they both losing out, the, the work and the child, or is one more of the focus? And so just trying to get that balance at the moment, I think, is something we are working on. Um, mm. And I think you can only do your best, and that's what we're trying to do. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's kind of what we are dealing with at the moment. I mean, I can work largely from home, which is great. Um, yeah. My husband can be a little bit more flexible. Um, obviously, with six kids and emergencies, you kind know, of they take priority. Um, 
and we're very fortunate that I can work a lot from home. Um, but yeah, I think that that's kind of the the biggest. Uh, well, the, that's where my motherhood journey is at the moment. Um, yeah. Make sure I have happy kids. Um, make sure I'm not letting other people down as well. So um, it's a journey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it sounds yeah, it sounds like you're doing an amazing job. I mean, I can't even imagine how you even go about trying to to kind of get all those different schedules kind of working in a way. I mean, it's something you probably adapt to as you go through your motherhood journey, I'm assuming or hoping because right now I'm thinking, how do you do that? (laughs) I think, yeah, and you're right. You, my my husband would say this, he is probably the most disorganised human I know. And I think his parenthood journey has taught him you have to be organised with kids. Mm. Uh, I think three of them, I think, our schedule and organisation is has to be kind of next level. Otherwise, you sort of drop the ball somewhere along the way. And, you know, I mean, parenting's not perfect. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to drop the ball. But I think for us, um, I think we'll probably touch on this a little bit more as, you know, routine and schedules have really worked for us. Um, I have periods of the day or full days that I am constantly focused on work and then I you know when it's time to switch off from work I'm constantly focused on the children so um getting that schedule and roster really 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 works for us and I think that's kind of we're kind of getting into greener pastures now getting that balance and I mean as the kids develop and change and they go through different changes obviously we're going to have to be flexible again Mm -hmm. um but, uh, yeah, I think routine and schedules and organisation is um, something that we have improved on in the years. <laughs> oh, yeah, it sounds like you've got it down to a bit of a fine art at the moment. Hey, tell me about your fourth trimester because that will also kind of lead into um, your business, My Scar. So I'd love you to share with us your fourth trimester with um, each of your babies or if you want to focus on one, that's cool. Um, and then, yeah, yes. tell us about My Scar. Yeah, so... My fourth trimester for each of my children have been all slightly different. Um, so we'll begin sort of at the top with Arthur, my firstborn. Um, I had an emergency cesarean with Arthur. Um, that birth was particularly uh, traumatic for me and probably my husband and probably Arthur. <laughs> Nothing oh. sort of went uh, particularly to plan. Um, and so my fourth trimester sort of began in the operating room, drugged up, exhausted, but also very wired, mm. um, sort of unbeknown to my husband and I, I was sort of losing quite a lot of blood. Arthur was oh, developing, God. you know, quite a severe infection, which resulted in sort of at least, I think it was uh, eight days we spent post-birth in hospital sort of dealing. So that was the beginning of our fourth trimester. Things for yeah. me and Arthur after that were a little bit of a blur. Mm. Uh, certainly not the start I had hoped and dreamed for. I'd always dreamt of being a mother and you kind of have fantasies and you don't really know what it's like until you're there. Um, mm. So I guess there's a little bit of disappointment there. Um, but anyway, so the that, that was my sort of fourth well, the beginning of my fourth trimester with Arthur, and I think the biggest thing for me uh, in that fourth trimester with Arthur was dealing with the cesarean, the recovery of my cesarean. Um, something I probably had my blinkers, I had my blinkers on a little bit, a bit of tunnel vision when it came to the birth. I'd obviously planned a vaginal birth and hadn't really 
and, and, you know, lots of people listening are probably thinking you're very naive, but I didn't really, you know, caesarean hadn't really come on my radar and maybe it's a bit of New Zealand culture, maybe it's a bit of my upbringing. Um, I hadn't really thought about the possibility that I could end up with a caesarean, so I hadn't really thought past Oh, well, I didn't really think that, that was a possibility. Um, and so that happened. Um, and so a lot of my fourth trimester with Arthur was um, recovering. Um, I was very lucky that my husband was able to take um, three months off work. Um, and so he was around the home a lot. And so it was really nice to have that extra help because um, I needed it. I couldn't really do a lot myself. Um, I understand, you know, Caesarean is a different for everybody, for, but for me in particular, um, I found the recovery phase um, very challenging. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's probably the, the biggest event um, in the fourth trimester with baby Arthur. Mm. Um, and so what did that recovery look like from the caesarean? So, if, you know, for like myself or anyone else listening that hasn't had a caesarean, what, what does that look like and I guess what can you and can't you do compared to with a vaginal birth? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, the biggest thing is, well, the, the, the most shocking thing I think for most people that have a cesarean is when you first stand up. I cannot describe what it feels like. Well, I can try. Um, <laughs> you prepare for the fact that you feel like you're literally going to face plant and your stomach is about to end up on the ground. Um <laughs> Um, and it's, yeah, sort of the, the first movements, the first you know, stand, the shower, first shower, all of those things that you're so used to the way in which your body used to operate um, and feel um, mm. that I, I, I guess getting used to how it feels sort of in the weeks post a cesarean is, um, is certainly a challenge and you, of course, adapt. Um, but I don't think anyone can really prepare you for how your body's going to feel post-birth, whether it's vaginal or a caesarean. Yeah. Um, and I'd say, you know, the first the first cough, the first sneeze, the first wee, the first poo, um, <laughs> all of those things that um, uh, are, are new. Um, yeah. And so, you know, my recovery from my caesarean, I, I tried to take it very easy. Um there was a lot of help. You weren't, you, you're not meant to lift heavy things, which is difficult when you've got a baby that's wanting to feed. And yeah, um, and as a busy, you know, busy person before motherhood, uh, just learning to adapt. You know, Lara, you can't drive. No, Lara, you shouldn't be lifting pots and pans. No, don't do the dishes. Um, you know, actually appreciating, well, recognizing the fact that just sit on the couch and let everyone do it for you um and, I mean lovely um that I had that support that I could take a break but I think um I think the whole sitting still and just allowing time to pass and allowing myself to recover was was hard um mm. because coming from a very active background um yeah I found you know remaining at home not being able to drive um walks would be you know after five minutes I'm absolutely shattered and so those are sort of the little frustrations that came with my cesarean recovery I got there in the end and my biggest tip to mothers that have you know a cesarean whether it's elective or um, emergency is chill out <laughs> you are, yeah, your body is gonna get back to normal 
um, enjoy enjoy people helping you out and enjoy sitting down, enjoy your baby cuddles um, and just don't rush it. Um, you know, it's such a fragile time. You just carried a baby, you've just birthed a baby. You're allowed to be looked after. You're allowed to relax um, as much as you can with a newborn um, and let you sort of do all the heavy lifting because you've earned it um and don't just don't be in a hurry um so yeah and again that recovery was very different I guess to my vaginal births I had um a vaginal birth with Piper and Leo um and while there is still recovery time for anyone that has a baby I found the recovery with those two much easier so I'd say with the cesarean my recovery it was a lot longer so at least six weeks until I was feeling a little bit more able, but I'd say definitely the first, uh, you know, the first three months I was heavily recovering from that major operation. Whereas with um, Leo, uh, sorry, Leo and Piper, um, there's certainly the recovery time, you know, for sure, but it was a lot, a lot shorter. Um, and I mm. felt like I was back a lot quicker with those births Um you know, you're not going through a major operation. Yes, you're still exhausted. Yes, you're still, you know, in pain. But I felt the bounce back um, a lot better, which which is really good because when I had Leo, I had three kids. So I, I it was um, I was fortunate in the order in which it happened. Um, but yeah, there was a, it's chalk and cheese. I think in my experience between the recovery of a cesarean versus a vaginal birth. I don't know how you how you found your recovery, Emma. I, yeah, I mean, I had a episiotomy, so that that probably was the only thing that kind of maybe made things slightly longer, but it was pretty quick. Like I was almost, I was pretty shocked at how quickly I began to feel okay. Um, And, you know, just even beginning to move again, it was only probably a week after the birth and I was feeling quite good walking um it was you know not long walks and you could feel when you pushed it too far but um yeah I think you know compared to friends who have had cesareans it does sound like it was a lot faster and just in terms of yeah you know even the episiotomy like that healed very quickly I was was super fortunate there that it was nice and clean and um yeah very quick recovery from that now, obviously, the, the cesarean with Arthur has led you to um, kind of inspired your business, My Scar. So I'd love you to share with everyone about that because I think it's just such a fantastic concept and I'm really excited by it. So, yeah, please tell us what My Scar is. Oh, thank you. Um, well, after hearing all about uh, Arthur's birth, you all well and truly know I had an emergency cesarean and I found the the rehabilitation in caesarean scars in New Zealand to be fairly non-existent. Um, And I felt a little bit uh, out of control post-caesarean, so I wanted to sort of feel a bit more empowered in my recovery. And so this sort of led to my journey of um, trying to rehabilitate my scar. Now, I tried all the all the options under the sun that advertised you know scar rehabilitation um i did the massage 
Um, and I just found none of them quite satisfactory. I mean, I found particularly the massage so time consuming when you've got a newborn baby and a busy life um, that I just thought there must be better options. Scars have been around forever. Caesareans have been happening for a while. Um, and so this led to me researching more widely. And I found silicon strips. So silicon strips have been around for about 30 or 40 years now. And they are prevalent in the UK, Europe, South Africa, America, and places where caesareans are a lot more common or preferred. Um, and so women have been using these overseas for many decades. Mm. Um, and I just thought, why doesn't New Zealand have a product like this? Especially mm. when our caesarean rates these days are about 30%. Um, and so this this led me to, you know, uh, thoroughly research, um, develop, test and, you know, work closely with a number of manufacturers before whittling down um, to our products that we're selling today. Um, it's been a journey, you know. It's been, what, almost four years. Um, we have finally... Uh, well, we, we recently obviously got a MedSafe registered, our products are FDA approved, and we launched and started selling our products in December of last year. So uh, it's been a journey, but it's something which you can probably tell that I'm extremely passionate about, oh. about providing options. You know, um, there's finally something on the market for women that have had caesareans that are looking to rehabilitate their scars. It's an easy option. Um, you know, it's something you can put on your body, put on your scar and forget about it, you know, um, allowing you to focus on, you know, your newborn baby. Um, yeah. um, so, yeah, it's, it's certainly been um, a journey um, and it's only just begun. So we're, um, I'm very excited. It's going very well so far. You know, the reactions have been extremely positive, um, just just from women wanting an option, you know. Um, and we're all about pro-choice. <laughs> That's amazing. And so with the product, so do you put it on the scar? Like, like how soon can you put it on and how long does it need to stay yeah. on? And how does the, yeah, like, and what's been like the average time to see results? Yeah, sure. So, um, it's recommended that um, you don't start using our products until sort of six to eight weeks after your caesarean. Um, so it's usually around the time that you go and see your doctor and they give you the all clear that your incision has healed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is the point in which you can start using our product. Um, now, I'll, if, if, if you don't really know what silicon strips look like, they're literally uh, a natural color piece of silicon um Mm. like a big plaster um and it's 15 centimeters by four um and you it's got one sort of sticky side um and you stick the sticky side to your scar um and you just wear it um you take it off when you shower and bathe or swim um and the results seem to, the best results, we recommend you use them for three months. Um, and so you'll see um, that we sell our, our boxes in three-month supply because the results are sort of three months of continuing use. You'll start seeing a substantial change in your scar. Um, and sort of three-month mark, a lot of women that we've spoken to that have tested our products, used our products, um, is the point in which they're really happy with the way in which their scar looks. 
Um, you can keep using them for up to 12 months to get sort of the best, best aesthetics results. Um, but most women, we think, you know, tend to be quite happy after sort of the three-month mark. Oh, that's amazing. I like when you were telling me about it, I just I think there was maybe like I was just didn't realise that there wasn't something in New Zealand that uh-huh. someone could go purchase and then, you know, and it's you've had to do all this research and you know, testing to get this product here. It's super cool. And to do that while also having two other babies. So you've definitely had <laughs> been a busy lady the last few years. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a little journey. Um, but yeah. no, I, I'm very excited that, um, you know, I'm finally bringing something like this to New Zealand. It's, it's not fair that, you know, overseas, everyone overseas gets to, have all these little gems so it's nice that there's finally something that you know can provide women an option so um yeah it's been very well received and we spent quite a lot of time um with you know designing our packaging and labeling and things like that which i think brings quite a nice feminine touch so women don't feel like they're using you know medical products Mm -hmm. uh it's quite a feminine looking box which um has also been quite well received I was going to say it's such beautiful packaging. <laughs> like it's, you know, something, and it's kind of, I like that brands are doing this, you know, making the the side of birth and recovery, which can be pretty gnarly, um, and making it seem a little bit more appealing um, yes. to, to, to women. Yeah, totally. And I think that you touched on it, you know, the postnatal care, and that's mm. so why is such a great idea, um, is that you kind of forget there is a baby to deal with post post having the baby. You know, there's mm. a baby hands, you know, you've also got to think about your own self-care and, um, you know, there aren't a lot of products on the market for, you know, women to make themselves, you know, feel, feel you know, looked after. Um, yeah. And so this, I really hope, um, you know, personally helps cesarean mothers, you know, you know, feel like, you know, a bit more empowered in their recovery journey, um, you know, self-care. I just think it's so important. Yeah, I'm, I know I didn't have a cesarean, but I even just remember um, the the way you would feel after like a night of a lot of waking, just to have time alone in the shower. <laughs> you know, someone else has got baby, you know, baby's been looked after and just having this time to have a shower and just wash your hair, it literally would make me feel like a new person. Um, and how hard is it to have a shower? So. Oh. I would hear like I could swear I'd turn the shower tap on and off so many times because I thought I could hear Louis crying but I I couldn't I was just hearing things which is crazy um but yeah that self-care is so so important it really can just you know just make you feel a little bit more human and normal and especially if you've got you know a painful scar I mean uh, is that was your cesarean scar painful was it sore yeah totally um I mean, you probably felt a bit of pain with your episiotomy. It's a, you know, it's, having a cesarean, whether it's elective or emergency, you know, it's a major surgery. Um, yeah. You're cutting so much layer of tissue and muscle, um, and so you know, the the pain is is very real. Um, and yeah. I mean, everyone's different. I know there is a difference between an emergency and an elective cesarean, um, in the sense that with an emergency, you, well, emergency, you tend to have laboured a little bit. Yeah. Um, and with an elective, well, 
you, you may not have labored for as long or have not labored at all. Um, and so the recovery times on those can be different. You know, I have friends that have had elective caesareans and, you know, our stories are chalk and cheese, you know, there was still a lot of pain. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, maintenance that goes into after, you know, having a caesarean, you know, like in, you have to take an injection every day to avoid blood clots, you wear the blood clot, um, things all over your legs. Um, that's part of the recovery is very similar or the same. Um, the pain is very similar, but I'd say in comparison to friends of mine, my pain probably went on for a little bit longer than most. Um, you certainly, you know, Panadol does nothing. You can't really take a lot, <laughs> but... Uh, you get there every day, and you probably find this too. Every day gets a little bit better, yeah. um, and you adjust. Like your body adjusts. Um, you, you know, I felt like in the first couple of weeks after surgery, I felt like I was completely like hunchback. I just felt like if I stood up, you know, something would break. But every day, I was a little bit taller. I, you know, tried to get my shoulders back a little bit. Um, so yeah, every day gets better. But yeah, I mean, I don't. I think it's impossible to have a pain-free caesarean recovery. Um, but everyone's pain thresholds is different. So, um, yeah. I just think it's so cool, like you say, that there is a, a product available now because I know even, you know, re- in the last year of people I have known that have had a baby, I know the rate is 30%, but it almost feels like 50-50 between yeah. caesarean and vaginal birth, just within the people I know, I guess. So that mm-hmm. that's not representative but it is just so common um Mm -hmm. and and, i think um, a lot of women are choosing to have cesareans Mm. uh, you know to mitigate risks women are having babies a little older well you know we're all getting older and we're having babies later in life yeah Um, with that comes more risks and so you know some of my you know as they call themselves geriatric mothers um are choosing to have cesareans to just completely bypass any any risk, especially, well, any risk, some risk, uh, especially if, um, if you know, the, you know, fertility has been an issue. Mm. Um, um, so I agree with you, you know, my antenatal groups, there was, yeah, close to 50-50. Um, um, so, yeah, it is certainly more common and we need to, I think, I think talk about it a little bit more um and I think one of the biggest things that came out of me for me having my cesarean was that the the mental element of it was that I'd planned for a natural birth and it didn't go to plan um and I ended up with a cesarean and I just felt that disappointment um I think anyone how your birth plan goes and how it goes will feel a little bit of disappointment but I think um a lot of the culture in New Zealand is focused on more so natural births, and there's reasons for that. Um, but that leaves the caesarean woman a little bit, you know, I don't know, out of the loop. Uh, yeah. And, you know, they're just as important. Um, and oh, sure. like, you know, whether it's emergency or elective, you know, that they failed in some way, um, that they're taking the easy option because I can tell you firsthand, a caesarean is not the easy option. <laughs> no. Um, and so, you know, I, I mean, another reason why my scar, I'm so passionate about my scar is that, you know, having a caesarean is a major, major thing. Um, and I feel like some of the women I've spoken to and from myself, you know, they feel a little bit like they failed. They weren't able to, you know, deliver vaginally. 
Um, whereas I just think that's wrong. You know, you yeah. gave birth to a baby. You grew a baby. You had a baby. It doesn't matter how the baby got there. Um, you know, so, I mean, power to everybody that has a baby yeah. because you're all amazing. Exactly. Um, yeah, but I think talking about caesareans and recovery and, and, you know, opening our eyes to the fact that, you know, a lot of people have them um, and, yeah. you know, having a product like we've got um, will hopefully try and normalise um, the stigma a little bit that may come with some caesareans. Exactly. It's actually funny you mentioned that. And I remember when I was in labor in the hospital and I was getting, I got induced and we decided to get an epidural on board straight away because it was um, the Sintosin induction. And I remember, and I remember saying to my midwife, I was like, oh, I kind of wanted to like go through, like try and get a little bit like more dilated before I had the epidural. And she was just like to me, she was, I, I loved her. She's just so fantastic. She just said it how it was. And she's like, look, no one gets a medal for, um, you know, not having pain relief or not doing something. Like there's no glory and not getting that pain relief. You, everyone, you, you're going to birth a baby. Like that's it, you know, there's no medals for how you, if you do it a different way or if you yeah. don't have a cesarean, I guess, in this situation. So it's like just getting the baby here and yeah. having that baby <laughs> safe and healthy and mum safe and healthy, That that is that's all that matters main goal I completely agree and you're right like we're you know we have to be fair all mothers should get a blimmin medal after birth yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. focus on um you know the whole uh vaginal births drug free um I know there's a movement to you know have more home births you know that sort of thing and you know each their own everyone has a yeah. choice comes to the way in which they birth their babies but um you know we shouldn't you know, stigmatize or exclude any type of birth method, mm. you know. You know, I've got close friends that have chosen to cesareans. Good on them, you know. It's yeah. your choice. Where would people, if they've had a cesarean or, you know, where do you purchase my scars? Is it direct through you or so what's the go there? Online. Um, oh. We're at www.myscar.co.nz. Um, we are selling there at the moment uh, and we are talking to a number of retailers. Bearing in mind, we only started selling to uh, the public market just over a month ago, um, mm-hmm. uh, talking with a number of retailers. So we've had such an uptake, which is great. So good. Uh, yeah, so we're just working with a number of retailers at the moment um, and we will be selling them in stores and online on various other re- retailers hopefully soon. Um, and so they will be available in other places and you'll be able to go in store and um, have a wee look if um, you prefer buying in store. So um, that's where we are with those. And actually speaking to you today, we've actually just launched um, our second uh, product. Um, oh, yeah. So the the one that we launched in December was called The Original. Yeah. Uh, and they are, they are a sort of a... Uh, our thinnest range, um, very breathable, flexible, um, but they're not washable. Um, oh. Strip is reusable for two weeks. Um, but, yeah, our active range, which came out today, which we're very excited about, um, is called the Active, and it's designed for more um, more active mother. Um, I say more because we're all active mothers. We're all busy. Yeah. Um, but this this 
these particular strips are designed for mothers that may want to um, exercise a little bit more, sweat a little bit more. Um, and these silicone strips are washable. So after you've gone for your walk or you, you might get a light stain or whatever on your strip, you're able to wash them under some warm water, use um, non-perfumed soap um, to make them feel a little bit fresher. Um, and we got this feedback from mothers that were, um, when we were going through the trialing phase of the originals, some of the mothers were like, well, you know, I'm, I'm a PT. I'm always kind of a little bit sweaty. Um, yeah. And, you know, you know, I, can I wash them? Um, and so that led to us bringing out the active range. And, you know, even if you're not a, um, uh, uh, I say sweaty mum, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, these, these strips are slightly more dur- durable. So if you're planning on taking the strip off sort of more than once a day, um, this range might be more aligned for your, your lifestyle. Um, and so it's, it's much of a choice. But, yeah, so the active range has gone live today. Um, awesome. Um, I will also ta- um, link the website so people can find that in the show notes because um, I know there will be a lot of mums out there that will be very interested in checking you out. Um, so from there, I would love, you know, you're a mum of three. I'm sure you've got some great tips um, for other mothers out there. But what would be your top tip for coping with an unsettled baby? So, you know, both from a looking after yourself perspective and settling that baby. So this was a certainly a learning journey. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> First time round, I'd say we were very chaotic and we didn't know where to start. But I think now we have sort of a bit of a checklist, which, I mean, now I look at myself and think, how did it take so long for us to get here? Um, Is the baby fed? Is the baby hungry? No. Does the baby need a clean nappy? No, nappy is clean. Uh, Is the baby overtired? No, baby's happy. Then maybe baby needs cuddles. So those were kind of like our four things. Is the baby mm. fit? Clean nappy. Does the baby need to sleep? Does the baby need cuddles? Mm. Now we found none of those four worked. Uh, I found um, sort of changing the scene. Um, yes. How putting baby in a pram and going for a short walk or even just holding baby and taking baby outside. The change of scene can sometimes, what would sometimes work for us. Um, and then at Fall House Fells, you can go through the list again. Um, we found. <laughs> we found a common mistake I was making was that when baby cried, I just automatically assumed baby was hungry. So I'd feed again. And we found that I was sort of overfeeding in a way um, and not burping adequately. And so and my poor my poor baby Arthur was just had so much wind and was just stuffed. He, d- he didn't need any more food. Yeah. He just needed a good burp and a swaddle and wanted to go to bed. Um, and so I'm like nodding along because I definitely did that with Louie and it wasn't actually till I listened to a podcast on um, burping and stuff and I was like oh my god I am absolutely not burping Louie enough Um, and I remember going to osteo and he had all this wind trapped and I was like felt so awful because I'd just been stuffing him with milk and not properly burping him yeah 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 so um yeah, we had the same experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, so a common yeah common thing I say to my new mum friends is that, you know, if you're breastfeeding or 
bottle feeding however you choose to feed um have a break you know if you're if you're feeding one side first you know before you give them the other side give them a good burp you know take take five minutes to burp them get some wind up before switching them to the other sides and you know with bottle feeding having a break um within that bottle um and then after the feeding to again burp again it seems a bit seems a bit overkill but when they're little they're you know their digestive systems are so immature um that they need a lot of help getting getting that wind up Mm. oh great advice there um i guess you've spoken about structure and routine and being organized what does sleep look like in your home and how does the routine work with three kids at quite different stages yes also another learning journey um (laughs) we we weren't always a fan of the routine so after we had we had arthur we we tried the casual are we going to be chilled parents and you know Either of you know, like Wayne and I, friends listening to this, will think you and Wayne are not chilled. You guys are routine, your structure. But when we had a child, we're like, we're going to be chill. Uh, we're going to try to be real relaxed on the feeding front, you know, be baby-led, etc. And my mum, she came to visit and it was just chaos. And she said, look, I'm just going to give you some helpful feedback. Routine is so key. Um, and so in terms of the sleep, um we got to sort of I think Arthur was about eight months and that's sort of when I had my my moment my cracking point whereas I cannot continuously feed during the night I can't I can't do these broken sleeps and then operate all day um it was just becoming it it just came to a head um and so after speaking to my mum and friends of mine they all recommended this book called the sleep sense program by um, I think it was Dana Obelman, um, which I read. It was just a short, quick, uh, quick read. It's probably similar to you, Emma, and the sleep consultant you're going to speak to. Um, mm-hmm. And that we started sleep training, um, and we it took it probably took us a bit longer. Um, it probably took us about a week. Um, okay. the, you know, so the first night was awful. Um, mm-hmm. I. Arthur cried off and on for about two hours. It was probably the longest two hours of my life. Obviously, we're going into Peckham uh, all the time. Um, yeah. And, you know, he's not crying there for two hours by himself. But, um, you know, for him to settle and get to sleep again, it was quite a long time. But I noticed you said in your in your first podcast, Emma, that the next night was significantly better. It was. Yeah. It was. It, it, you know, you had this first horrific night and then the next night was, I think it was about 30 minutes. And then yeah. we're back. He Arthur slept through the night from eight months old. Piper, we sleep trained her a little bit later, so she was about ten months old. And Leo yeah. is going through his sleep training at the moment. And so, when it came to us, I think parents with busy lives, you're busy with children. You know, you need your sleep too. Um, and I firmly believe sleep is a habit. Um, and so, if you create good habits, and you know, I know sleep training isn't for everyone. Um, but it certainly worked for us and it works for our household. We all get most of the night. We are sleeping through the night, which is great. Um, Arthur and Leo, uh, sorry, Arthur and Piper decided to have a party last night at about 4 a.m. One went to the oh, other's room. Gosh. And uh, then we party and I was like, guys, it's not six yet. Back to bed. Um, so you yeah. definitely have, in terms of, um, you know, I, I can't stress the importance enough for us that just having that sleep routine 
um it, ju- it just was a game changer and obviously there's a time and a place for it you know you can't well, I personally don't think you can sleep train a six-week-old baby um but you know when your child is you know potentially on solids um not breastfeeding or feeding as much um you know it's ample opportunity to um try and get some good sleeping habits and um it, it you know it worked for us I would love to know hardest and most enjoyable season of motherhood to date Okay. Um, I mean, I hate to touch on it again, but definitely the hardest season for me was the cesarean recovery. Mm. Um, I think being a first-time mother, I always, you know, you have dreams of, you know, when the baby's first on your chest and, you know, the euphoric moment, etc. And I didn't really get to capture any of that with Arthur. Um, and so, you know, I had high expectations for myself and, you know, I sort of failed a little bit. Well, I felt like I failed a little bit. Um, you know, my husband had to do a lot of the heavy lifting um, in the first sort of trimester, of the fourth trimester of Arthur's life. Um, and so I'd say that was my hardest season that I've been through in motherhood and that I just felt like this is, this is meant to be really natural and just didn't come natural to me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, after speaking friends, you know, there's that assumption that when you've got baby in arms, you know, everything comes naturally. You don't need the books. You don't need help. You know, it's, it's meant to be a natural thing. Whereas I felt a lot of, um, yeah, just anxiety and stress about having a new baby and then also dealing with um, the recovery of myself. And um, I that was certainly the hardest season for me. In terms of the most enjoyable um, and Emma, you will probably start to see this and it'll come through as Leo, uh, Louis gets older, um, is that the constant learning and development, you know, they're mm. like little sponges. Um, Arthur recently learned to ride his bike without trainer wheels and um, it was insanely gratifying. Um, yeah. you know, one to two days of like hard work, um, and he's nailing it. Like, he is so good. I reckon he can ride a bike better than I can now. And he's so happy and he feels, um, you know, like he's, you know, smashing life. And I just I just love that. And, you know, I see it with Leo now. He's learning to crawl and just, like, the constant learning and teaching. And it's just it's utterly satisfying. And I thoroughly enjoy that about being a mother and that um, you are molding these little humans, you know, for better or worse. But, um uh, you know, I, I just thoroughly enjoyed that about being mum. Oh, that's so special and also just makes me so excited for all those, like, milestones. Like, we've yeah. had milestones with Louis and it's just there's so many. I think at any stage there's something special and cool and there's always something, you know, in the next stage that you're looking forward to as well. Um, so that's, oh, riding a bike is a big one. I can imagine yeah. that's, like, a real, like, <laughs> yeah, real, like, moment. Um so what's something you wish you knew about babies or becoming a mum that you didn't know that you really think would have been helpful to know earlier on? So probably one of the biggest learning things for me is that with Arthur, we'd have this little baby on our lap and have these big wide eyes and you'd look at him and you'd think, you've been up for two hours now, but you look wired, you're not sleepy, you're not sleepy, and next minute comes a massive crying explosion uh, and he doesn't want to go to bed and, you know, three hours roll by and you're like, well, 
you know, maybe he's not tired. Maybe you're trying to force him to sleep. No, you've just absolutely missed the sleeping window. You've got this overtired, wired baby. Um, So I think the biggest thing, uh, well, the biggest learning thing for me was that uh, my mother came around and she gave us um, some tips about sleeping in the early stages is that we never had Arthur up longer than an hour. And so mm-hmm. he woke, you fed, you changed, you burped, etc., and then he was wrapped again sort of within the hour and he was back in his bed. Now, that sounds brilliant if it works. Um, obviously, there'll be, you know, times you have to pick him up when he's crying a little bit more or he just wants to be held, but your ultimate goal is that within that hour he's either back in his bed asleep or asleep somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish I'd known that earlier on with Arthur. Mm-hmm. And, and having that within an hour um, and once once we clicked onto that and once mother helped me uh, <laughs> and we, we got we, we you know we laugh about it all the time we like I remember that time we were out for lunch and Arthur was just like wide-eyed and you know he'd been up for two hours and we're like oh our baby doesn't get tired at all you know it's just like <laughs> hilarious in hindsight that we're like yeah, he was really overtired and we paid for it for the next two hours after lunch um oh uh, yeah. yeah so that so, was an hour while he was a newborn is that yes we, oh, in the, newborn, the, the fourth yeah. trimester i would say yeah um, with sort of and it is it is a challenge because obviously feeding in the new new step like at the, at the beginning you're sort of feeding for like 40 minutes yeah. and so it can be quite time consuming like you know to get to that hour is um, is is quite hard, um, but we certainly yeah. found sticking from wake time to putting to bed or trying to get to sleep within the hour, it was a game, like, again, another game changer. It just, babies, newborn babies aren't meant to be awake for longer than an hour is what I've been told and what's worked for us. Um, that trying to stick to that, um, I, I, I wish I'd known that and I've done it for Leo and Piper ever since um, when they were newborns. And, yeah, just, yeah, it's just funny to look back and, yeah. I would love to hear this one because I know you've probably got a few having had three kids now, but your most memorable poo explosion story. Oh, gosh, have we had a few. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't think I've talked more about poo in my life than before having children. Like, it is a constant conversation that you have. We're we're carrying potty training Piper and honestly the amount of oh. you know my husband comes home the first thing is so how did the poo go today and it's like oh man where did my life come to when I'm talking about poo on a regular basis but yes, yeah had many memorable I think the one again that jumps out on me and it's probably more hilarious because it was my friend it happened with my friend um and we were on holiday Arthur was about five months old um and we were away with friends who don't have children um and so they hadn't yet been exposed to the chaos and you know they naively signed up to come on holiday with us um and we were in the supermarket and my friend offered to hold Arthur while I quickly grabbed the groceries so we were probably about an hour away from our hotel that we were staying at I was quickly grabbing the groceries um, and she started commenting, oh, I think, you know, he's doing a few farts, you know, um, I think he might be pooing. And I'm thinking, going, yeah, 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 just change his nappy. He'll be fine. You know, we'll just get this, sh- you know, shopping done and we can get going. It's super hot. And so uh, 
and you know she kept you know looking at me quite anxiously like no I, I think he's pooing you know like, yeah okay okay all good you know I know there's a bathroom just outside um you know once we've done this and we get through the checkout pay for the groceries um and we're headed to the toilets and she goes oh no no it's no and she just, she just looks at me she lifts up Arthur and I'm not joking you so she was wearing a beautiful white dress oh no um, yes. <laughs> who literally everywhere all down the side, the beautiful white dress. Arthur's is literally coming off Arthur's legs. It's dripping onto the floor. He has pooed oh. everywhere. Here's me completely ignoring my poor friend. Like, I think he's pooing. No, he's definitely pooing. Okay, I can feel something now. Me ignoring him. <laughs> Not until we get out there. And I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, you're right. He really is pooing everywhere. Um, <laughs> funniest thing, she was like, okay, you have to you take him now. And I'm like, well, you're already dirty. So can you <laughs> a while longer? In her face, she was like, "Really? You're not going to take him?" Like, "Oh, well, I'm wearing clean clothes. You're already dirty. Let's go to the bathroom." So, anyway, it was all all laughs, and I felt very sorry for because we were, like I said, an hour away, and so we obviously cleaned up Arthur. We couldn't really clean her up too much, Um, and um, she, the poor thing, had to still hold Arthur on the way back to a hotel on the bus with a poo stained dress. We have, I, and, and I had to, I had to, I mean, much to her dismay, I had to take photos too. And so I took various photos of her holding them up on the supermarket with, you know, poo on the floor, poo in her dress. And they're a keepsake. <laughs> it's always out, isn't it? Why do these explode? I mean, it wouldn't be a real big memorable moment if it was probably just at home because you just deal with it. So it is always yeah. more memorable when it's out and about. But like, you're always, there's always like something white. It always is just like the worst time for something to happen, isn't it? Uh, absolutely and like he like I said he had a fresh nappy he wasn't wearing clothes that were too tight for him like I just don't understand how it went everywhere like literally (laughs) and how do they have so much as well because they're so little they've got these tiny wee tummies like sometimes I'm just like how how has that come out of you (laughs) this wasn't this is pretty solid and so yeah yeah yeah, they um they really do know how to let go in a good way (laughs) Oh, good. Glad that, that, that your friend was able to have a laugh about it and have a bit of a oh, sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. You've got yeah. to, eh? Yeah, yeah. And she's like, I told you he was pooing. I told you he was pooing. Um, oh, I've had the opposite. I've had friends holding Louis and they're like, I think he's pooing. And I'm like, no, unfortunately, that's just him farting. He's very gassy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they are. The sounds that they make, like it's oh. how does that loud, loud fart come out of you? Yeah. Oh, you're so cute and like perfect. How is that noise to come from you? <laughs> what is one value that you are raising your children with? So one that we've recently started implementing um, in the language he uses, we want to be bucket fillers. We want to Ooh. fill people's buckets. Um, it's another way of, I guess, you know, kindness. Um, mm-hmm. But we, the way in which we're, you know, you want to be a bucket filler. You want to fill people's buckets. You want to, Make people feel good about themselves, fill their buckets. Um, and so in, in the opposite language, if, you know, Arthur or Piper are misbehaving or, you know, being mean to each other, et cetera, which happens often, we say, you know, you don't want to be a bucket dipper, you know, be oh, a bucket filler. Cool. Why, don't you, why don't you fill Arthur's bucket by helping him? Why don't you, you know, be a bucket filler? Don't be a bucket dipper. Bucket dippers, mm. it's not nice to be a bucket dipper. And so that's kind of what, you know, a key value in our house, which I think you could probably sum up as, you know, we want our kids to be kind and, um, mm. you know, you know, build people up. 
I love the visual component of that as well. I can imagine with kids as they start to understand as well, like they can actually imagine a bucket and you fill it and that bucket is fuller and happier. Yeah, and like if you take exactly, away it. Yeah, that's exactly cool to have visual. What I think clicked with Arthur and Piper is, mm. is that mentality is, you know, here's a bucket, why don't you fill it up? Um, yeah, and so that worked for us. And there's actually a really good book on bucket filling and bucket dipping, which we then um, went and purchased, which they read often. So, you know, they can also visualize um, that as well. And so, yeah, I think it's really important that they sort of learn that sort of thing at an early age. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, Lara, I just have loved chatting to you. I think the product you've created. Um, my scar the silicon strips is just going to be a game changer for all the cesarean mums out there so amazing work there i think i'll what i'll do is i'll link put the links in the show notes so people can find you um and follow along on social media as well um but again just thank you so much oh thank you emma thanks for taking the time to talk to me it's always a pleasure